Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Bearing the Blue Shirts. I'm Tom Erich Jr. and me and Mike have been talking a little bit before uh, we started recording, so I'm not going to say how are you doing Mike, I'm just going to say Mike, say hello. Tornado Watch 2021, New Jersey. Got a tornado warning today, Tom. Um, I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, sometimes life will kick you in the teeth and all you can do is I guess spit out your teeth, hope you can find them on the ice, and, uh, you know, you give them to the athletic trainer, and you hope he's wearing his little medical glove, and he puts him in a little Ziploc bag. I, it's always amazing to me, the, the, the numerous jobs, like, the guys on the bench have, the equipment manager and the athletic trainer, like, all the little things they have to be ready for. That's why I still think to this day, a fun, dumb article I want to do. Maybe I'll pitch this one to Shana. Is something she could pursue is like everything that Jim Ramsey has behind the bench in that little shoe caddy. Because of bubble gum, smelling salts. You gotta have tape, Tom. You need tape. Because uh, you gotta, in case someone scores their first goal or something. Gotta have everything. Anyway, how the hell are you, Tom? It's been a day for me. How are you doing? Oh, man. Just fine and dandy. And yeah, I, equipment managers and medical staff, they certainly have a lot of things. Um, my brother, uh, he's the equipment manager for his um, college hockey team, D3 at uh, Norwich. And uh, he, I didn't uh, know that. he Maybe has he told a, me that and I forgot. Yeah. I'm a bad person. It's all right. I mean, it's how many things have happened in the last, you know, <laughs> year and a half? How, how much um, of it is snacks so, and how much of it is is like pertinent things maybe we should have your brother so it's a little (laughs) Uh, i don't know about that we'll see i'll i'll have to think about this my brother's been a guest on the podcast before and look at you just slamming the goddamn door on your brother yeah well i mean i've talked about my brother on this podcast before but um yeah so it's funny some it's a combination of things um like one of uh I'm trying. I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't know what um, class they were, like freshman, sophomore, whatever. But um, one of, uh, and this might have even been as far back as high school. But um, there was my brother told me the story about um, a backup goalie, and um, how they were playing a game. Now that I say this, I think it was high school. So the way it goes is that um, they're getting shelled. It's like a really bad game, and um, the coach goes to the backup goalie. You know what? Just just finish this game. Let's you know get you know so and so out of there, and um, you know he hops over the boards, and the minute he does that, a bunch of skittles drop onto <laughs> the ice because he had his goalie glove on. But he was using the goalie glove to hold uh, on to Skittles, and it was Sk- eating Skittles them out container. of the glove. Yeah, so, and like, <laughs> you hate to see it. this just happens, and it's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, but yeah, my, my brothers had a lot of fun doing that. Like, you know, someone uh, has a skate issue, having to, you know, change the steel, or, you know, fix a rivet, or, you know, someone's stick is breaks and getting new ones and all that fun stuff i mean he says it keeps him busy and you know he he's liked it when uh he's done it obviously because of the pandemic there really hasn't been uh 
that much uh, hockey, so he's looking forward to next year, um, which would be his senior year. And as I say that, I just go, wow, uh, that feels weird to me as someone who feels like uh, I graduated college not too long ago. But, you know, it's 2021 and I graduated in 2014 and that feels like uh, a decade ago, um, even though it's not. You're still a baby I remember me. Because I think of, like, the Rangers run to the Stanley Cup final and everything associated with that. So I associate those games and those times with certain college memories. Like, I wrote about it when we did uh, the 30 Days of Hank. Like, the the game after, um, you know, Marty Sandoval's mother died and the they had a must-win game versus uh, Pittsburgh. And it was the... Um, the same day as uh, the the tradition was, you know, the last day of classes. It was um, called the Bridge Street Run. It's pretty much a, a, ball, a bar crawl in Oswego. And, you know, finally getting to the last stop, uh, which was the place was called The Shed, which no longer exists, which really sucks. But just watching the game, being really drunk and being like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Um, so, yeah, I, but... I don't even know where I was going. Like, we're all over the place to start, which is kind of fine because the Rangers were all over the place last night against the New York Islanders. See, I found a way to transition. Look at that, Tom. Sticks the landing and everything. Yeah, so a lot of people were pretty hyped up. Uh, The Rangers kicked the crap out of the Devils, uh, more or less. I mean, they won a bunch of games against the Devils, but uh, when you watch those games closely, particularly how they ended... The, the Rangers that showed up in the third period against the Devils were a team where it's like, this team has playoff aspirations? Because, uh, remember, friends, the Devils are, like, the second worst team in the division, and they're they're only a little bit better than Buffalo. <laughs> um, and this is all to do with the Devils that just traded away, you know, two of their core players, uh, you know, in Zajac and, and Paul Mary. So, I... Is it much of an achievement, Tom, to to beat them like four games in a row? And people are like, oh, yeah, own the Devils, made history, uh, you know, in terms of a team beating a team four times in a row. And it's nice that Igor gets a couple of shutouts and then, oh, yeah, you're feeling good. And then, uh, you know, also feels good. Hey, the kids are picking up points. Kravy scores his first goal after the first one was taken away, which was just rude. And Lindy Ruff is rude for doing it, and I hope he knows that. Um, you know, everything's looking good, Tom, and then uh, what happens? They play the Islanders. What happens? Maybe this isn't a playoff team. Uh, maybe they were just a team playing a really crappy team. So I would say the perfect analogy for that series against the uh, the Devils, um, I think of it, and this just came to me right now, it's kind of like when you play laser tag and when you're playing laser tag, right? You're running around, you know, you're shooting off your blaster. You're hearing all the sounds you, you know, you're having a lot of fun in the moment. And like, you think it's like one of the coolest things ever. And like, you know, you think you're doing pretty fucking awesome. It's like, Oh man, I'm really killing it. And then you get to the end. Right. And like, at least the laser tag place by me, um, like, it has an actual score sheet where it's like, okay. Yeah, it gives you and, the score after the fact, yeah. 
and it shows, okay, you took so many shots. Here's how many shots hit. Here's how many shots missed and all of these different things. Um, And you go, oh, wow, this is not exactly how I thought it was at all. And that's kind of what the the Rangers were because while, yes, they swept the Devils, um, in that span, their Corsi 4 percentage, 45.61 which is not good. It's not good. Um, not good. Yeah, the the shots for, you know, they pretty much split it even, so 50.56. Uh, um, a couple games, the for, Devils, yeah, what was the expected goals for? It was bad, right? Yeah, it was It was not good. Yeah, none of the stats were good. Yeah. No, 46.44, um, which is a far cry from the actual goals of uh, 71.43. So, it was very much, and you pointed out, like, Igor had two shutouts. That's fun. Stop me if you've heard this one before. A Ranger goaltender has exceptional performance that um, kind of covers up for the shortcomings of their team. I've heard it before. Also, one of those shutouts, he only had to make 16 saves. Um, I'm not here to take anything away from Igor, but, you know, 16 It was like saves. a Marty Brodor shutout. Oh, wow, Tom. Just a needless, a needless attack on Marty Brodeur. I honestly don't dislike it at all. Um, no, but I think it's... The laser tag analogy is pretty good to me because it's like, yeah, hey, at the end of the day, we got the W, Tom. We got the W. Feel good. A couple players look good. Eh, there was a little period in there. Don't really know what was going on. And you kind of... You look in the numbers, it's like, well, did the Rangers just stop caring and in some of these games because or is it the fact that maybe it was this this again this story that is so often this it, this is what it boils down to for the rangers is is the battle of quantity versus quality chances and how the rangers are not really good at quantity scoring chances but they're very good at generating high like a, a low amount of high quality chances and executing it's kind of their bread and butter um and a lot of it, I'm sure, has to, in in the Panarin tenure, has to do with being able to execute. And you have, you know, when that brief window opens and you have someone like a Mika Zibanejad or someone like a Panarin, you can really capitalize with creative players like your Bucinevichs and Panarins, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we come away from this series being like, yeah, kick the shit out of the Devils. And then to play the way they did against the Islanders, you're like, okay. Maybe this this whole playoff thing is is a little out of reach. Like we're not. I'm not trying to be dramatic or, or poke a hole in anyone's sail, but this is the same team it was before it swept the Devils. Um, it just they looked really good against a very bad hockey team, and that's not surprising to me. What I did like out of that series is like, oh yeah, the kids are scoring. Me likes that. It's fun to see the kids score. It was fun to see Laugh score another goal and. Um, it was really fun to see Igor finally get that shutout. And, you know, I would start to say it was fun to see Igor get into a bit of a rhythm, but then he got absolutely shelled um, playing the Islanders. So it was, uh, it's been an interesting week since, since the last we talked, Tom. Um, like, just across the landscape of the NHL with the Canucks and things like well, some of the things Robin Lehner has said recently and and things going on in Rangerstown. We'll, we'll get to some of the other things lately. But yeah, interesting that 
it seems like people are wrapping their heads around, oh, I guess this isn't a playoff team? That's still fun. It's the process that's fun. And I think that's the thing we need to embrace as folks who are invested in this and you and I who cover it is, yeah, it's there are going to be bumps in the goddamn road, but you know what? The road is still fun. Uh, and watching the kids develop and kind of seize these opportunities is fun. And I wish we'd see more, but I also... You know, I, I'm not going to pretend that we need to take ice time away from the top players, which is something we've gone over a bunch, so we don't need to go over it again. You want something to say, Tom? Yeah, so you're bringing up the kids. Um, why don't you... The kids! Like, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit, like, I know you said you've been paying attention to Hartford. Um, you know, anything... That's yeah. kind of stood out to you recently of, of note for our loyal listeners. Well, it's fun that the Hartford Wolfpack have the best power play in the AHL, Tom. It's a blistering 29.9%. But then again, they're only playing two teams um, in Providence and Bridgeport. But the, the thing that stood out the most for Hartford is they finally they had all this momentum and they actually got shut out. So a lot of guys who had point streaks and scoring streaks... Like, Tarmo had a point streak, uh, Tim Genninger had a point streak, and Morgan Barron had a really impressive stretch where I think he had 17 points in 17 games, so him not getting a, a point here was like a, a streak getting snapped, and it's like, ah, man, you know. It's it's fun watching, like, guys kind of emerge and, and carve out roles for themselves, and now, you know, you see these guys building streaks. My the one I was most fascinated with is is more is I'm sorry is Ty Ronning who had a ridiculous scoring streak. And mind you, this is a guy who spent the last two seasons split between the ECHL and the AHL with the Maine Mariners. Like he couldn't stay in the Hartford lineup, and he had like, he had this unbelievable stretch of like 14 points in 11 games. He was and a lot of primary points and. He was looking really good um, and, and finding ways to contribute. And then uh, the Rangers hit a snag and, uh, you know, Bridgeport beat them. I think it was four to nothing. Um, and then all this nice momentum goes bye-bye. But uh, the other part of that is Adam Huska had a rough game, um, you know, by his standards. And Huska's, and I think right now it's Tyler Wall and Huska have been Huska's caught up to Tyler Wall in terms of overall minutes, but it was rare to see Huska have a game as rough as this past one against Bridgeport. And like I said, it was also a bummer to see the uh, all the scoring streaks come to an end. But it's fun to see, particularly like if you're watching the Wolfpack, it's really, really fun to watch Baron and Rayonainen and think about, you know, how they fit into the Rangers picture, like... In both of their cases, as depth guys, but you know when the Rangers signed Zach Jones, there was a lot of talk about like, ah, eh, maybe Tarmo is a guy that's just a guy you can package and trade, or a guy you can deem as expendable because uh, he's just a, a little further down the line in terms of his age, and frankly, you know the pipeline for D in the Rangers system is pretty deep. But all this is extra interesting, Tom, because there have been a lot of a lot of ELCs for the Rangers. I think since what is it? Since March third is when uh, Schneider signed uh, his ELC, 
and since then we've had a total of five. But we've also had two guys in Hartford who got extended, which is Mason Geertsen, who was on an AHL-only contract, got an, you know, his pro contract, a two-way deal, and he's also extended into next year. He's a big, hulking defenseman. Um, you know, I don't think size is important in the NHL level, but there seems to be the idea that size matters in the AHL game, which is something we could get into in a later show. Uh, the difference in minor hockey, especially in the AHL, is pretty interesting. But Geertsen got extended, and also Johnny Brodzinski got uh, extended, which is interesting because he is a, uh, one of the veteran guys. He's 28, and he signed for, I think, 25 more K. Again, a two-way deal. Uh, but he is clearly a guy they want to be part of the solution in Hartford. And then after Schneider, Tom, in terms of ELCs, we have Hunter Skinner. We have Zach Jones, which I mentioned. We have Will Coyle, I think it is, right? Coyle. And then you have Carl Henriksen. So, a lot, and Carl Hendrickson, 20, and a former second-round pick. A couple of former second-round picks, obviously Skinner and Jones, and all of a sudden, the Rangers have handed out a bunch of ELCs, and we kind of have a lot of guys who are going to be in Hartford next year just signed under contract. So, a little bit of interesting stuff going on in Hartford. Yeah, I look at it from the perspective of the Rangers are it's seemingly they're taking they're trying to take care of a lot of business and i know the one who is outstanding um and uh vince Bercogliano had a story uh, i think it was today um on nils lundquist and how um it was just a follow-up of um how like post deadline i know jeff gorton had said that they're very happy what they've seen with from Nils, and they think very highly of him. And the goal is for him to be part of the organization, um, you know, for 2021-22. Um, and obviously, that will add things to the mix. But you look at, and I'm looking at it on Cap Friendly, and so you look at all these players who are either in Hartford or, you know, just not a part of... Um, you know, the Rangers roster. So they're defined as non-roster forwards. So you have Morgan Barron, 22. Justin Richards, 23. Patrick Kotarenko, 22. Austin Rushoff, 23. Um, Ronning, 23. Carl Henriksen, um, I, I think there's been some reports that he might still be in the SHL next year. Yeah, a little bit of confusion about Henriksen, whether or not his Ferlunda has control over him if he, if the Rangers want him in Hartford, or whether or not Ferlunda can say, tough titties, you're going to stay here unless you're in the NHL. But he's been the guy who hasn't been terribly productive, but there's also people I know who think he hasn't gotten a fair shake um, under Ferlunda's bench boss. So he's an interesting guy to look at because, one, he's a center prospect, and obviously the Rangers... Uh, depth down the middle and what they're doing at the center ice position is under a lot of scrutiny and something that matters a lot over the next couple of years and when a guy's a second round pick you want him to pan out but two also like it's interesting with uh with Henriksen right we have to see what happens yeah I think that besides the how the defensive logjam is going to sort out is what I look most forward to learning this summer Oh, I wanted to say quickly, I, I, I knew I was saying it wrong, so I scrambled to find it. I found an old pronunciation guide. It's Will Cooley, Cooley, not Will Coyle. 
it's it's one of those names where it's spelled in a way where you think maybe it's coil but it's cooley um but again he was a a recent uh, early round pick for the rangers and a guy who you know is he is is this the rangers putting things in place to have more of their kids in you know kind of like in in closer inspection in Hartford and developing them there. I don't know. But the other part of this is, frankly, the Rangers haven't had this many draft picks in a while, Tom. Uh, this is kind of what happens when you draft all these, you have all these draft picks and you have all these prospects that you have the rights to. they got to play somewhere. Um, and for the Rangers, that means having them in Hartford. So it'll be interesting to see how different the Wolfpack might look next year. I find it interesting because obviously you're going to have the expansion draft and, you know, everything that goes along with that, any, you know, side deals that happen or any trades they make with other teams that for protection purposes, like if, if a team has, you know, a defenseman that they can't protect and it's advantageous to the Rangers and, you know, they have a forward they can't protect, it's advantageous to that team. But I look at it as... I don't think, I, I hope that Brett Howden is not someone who's a part of the long-term future of this team. You have no idea, like Kevin Rooney or um, Blackwell. So to have this stable of young forwards that you can develop and bring along and learn the system to promote upward, where Barron, for the right now, is the most likely candidate to make that transition from the AHL to the NHL next season. But then that opens up a role in Hartford. So, say, Barron goes up, then maybe, you know, Patrick Kodorenko gets a little more of a look in Hartford. And then, you know, his spot is filled by someone else and so on and so forth. I know with Cooley, um, like, he's been described as almost like, um, and it's hard because everyone like picks you know just random or you know not the greatest uh comparisons but almost like in the mold of a tom wilson which like obviously there is value in that type of power forward now hopefully um not the negative aspects of um tom wilson's game and you know injuring players and and things of that nature well he did have 20 penalty minutes in one game this season in hartford so I think there is a bit of nasty in him. Um, I think he got... Oh, yeah, he got a, a major for interference, plus a fighting major, and then a game misconduct all in the same... All for doing the same thing. But other than that, he only has, I think, a couple of minors. So, But he is a big kid. He's 6'3". So, but like you said, he's he's supposed to be that big guy that has sweet hands, right? Like That's supposed to be his whole thing is that Tom Wilson... Like, oh, yeah, Tom Wilson... He's a freight train, but he also has the hands to finish. And But, you know, 13 games in Hartford, uh, Cooley has two goals and three assists and the 26 penalty minutes. But like I said, 20 of them were in one game, so it's only really the three minors. Uh, so I don't know how much sandpaper is to his game, and unfortunately the AHL doesn't have uh, data on hits and real-time stats and not a lot of data at all, actually, which is why... I often recommend to people uh, Dave McPherson's site, which is pick224.com for AHL stats. 
Well, speaking of wingers, and in this case, we do have stats for um, to transition, and it's still speaking of one of the kids. Um, Vitaly Krasov has now played in 10 games uh, for the Rangers. Um, he's logged 115, just about 116 minutes, 5 on 5, um, according to Evolving Hockey. Um, I'd say, like, fair to say that the majority of his time has been on the fourth line, even though that's not what was supposed to happen. But again, you know, David Quinn says things that he doesn't always mean, and he doesn't always, you know, back up what he says he's going to do. But that's neither here nor David there. David Quinn um, lies to children. That's what we're our takeaway here. But the numbers are good. Um, goals for percentage: fifty-seven twenty-eight. Corsi four fifty-one. Uh, percent expected goals 49.46 um i really can't complain and like the expected goals against per 60 is 2.42 which is it could be a lot worse like especially considering you're on the fourth line and you are he's not really surrounded by the best talent and he's often getting shifts with the rangers um bottom pair which uh has been a nightmare and an adventure all at the same time. Um, so, like, I, I'm very impressed with Kravtsov, and I think that we kind of expected some of what he's done in the sense of how he's played, where he will hold on to the puck, he'll use his frame, he'll pivot, he'll go one end to the other um, in, in along the boards and look to make plays. Um, he's really smart, like, he realizes what he's dealing with and at times like i don't want to make like i've felt like joking like it's almost like he feels he's backed with tractor where he'll make a play and someone can't finish like the other night uh you know howden has a golden opportunity but you know he you know couldn't quite get it off um which Krasov is very familiar with um but I i'm very thrilled with that and my hope is that while they're not mathematically eliminated, the odds are even longer um, based on how the games in hand work and based on the teams they need to lose, who they're playing. Give him uh, a promotion. Uh, I feel like at this point, you don't need to play Blackwell as much. You can move Kako up. You can move Kratzoff up. You can move Blackwell down. Um, you can mix and match. Um but I, I'm I'm really pleased with with what I've seen from uh, young Vitaly. No one loves the Colin Blackwell story more than me, but Colin Blackwell really doesn't need to be in the top six anymore. Um, <laughs> like it it was fun, um, and it's still fun, and it's it's even more fun that like he's here for another year. And hey, I love Colin Blackwell as my thirteenth forward or on the fourth line. But uh, I don't know what this, the Rangers' obsession is with role players. Uh, like like Quickie last year with let's get him up there. But I wanted to comment on Kravstov really quickly before we, we change topics, Tom, because the underlying numbers on him are really interesting. And I like to look at things like like when a guy is adjusting to the NHL game and you're a forward or a, like a puck-moving defenseman, one of the things I normally like to look at a lot is how often you're, you're getting hit. And Kravstov has been, you know, since he's been with the Rangers, he has one of the highest hits taken uh, per 60 on the team. Um, the only 
regular Rangers forward who takes more hits than him is Brett Howden, which also uh, tells you something about how Brett Howden has adjusted. Um, but it's interesting to me that Kravstov has, has taken those hits, but it also tells us that he has the puck, right? And the other thing that I really think is interesting, he's really good at takeaways, um, which is a stat that obviously is subjective to different score trackers and stuff, but all the other underlying numbers and all the things you look at the way he plays, the way he creates things, like you described him as smart, and that's the first word I use for Kravstov. It's like, he's really smart, really slippery, really knows how to make things happen, and in a weird way, it's it's fascinating that he had to do so much of the heavy lifting in tractor because you can tell he's used to, like, making the whole cake and then, like, letting someone else put the frosting on it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the icing on it. Just whoever has to put the cherry on top, he'll get everything else to them because he has the skill to make that happen. It's really fun to watch. Right. And, like, it's hard at times, and I, I use smart as a as a describer because I feel like when you are a young player, like what we hear from coaches or coach speak, it's like, Oh, we want like a player who knows the game, understands situation, understands like awareness in each zone. And like, I think you, you hear like it's more so players coming over from Europe, even though like, as people have pointed out the KHL over the last couple of years, you know, um, more and more of their rinks are not the big international size, but, you know, moving more towards, you know, the NHL size. And with Krasov coming over and him being in an offensive-minded role where he's the one driving the bus for Tractor, coming over to the Rangers, he's been expected to do different things. Now, obviously, he doesn't want to be in a fourth-line role. Like, obviously, part of the reason he left in the first place is that he was kind of confused because he felt that he was um, doing the right things. He was contributing and he ultimately didn't make the team and you know, the rest is history. So he's been put in a situation that really isn't beneficial to him, but he's trying to make the most of it. He's trying to take advantage of it as best as he can. So He'll make a play in the defensive zone, where he, which leads to his first career NHL goal, where he's on the forecheck, and he forces an, an outlet. Yeah. And then he's able to know, okay, because of this, who's around me, I can swing to this side, and I'm going to be wide open. Um, and and it, it was a really smart play, because I, I think that oftentimes you see on a forecheck, um, and I don't remember the situation of like if it was the beginning of the shift, end of a shift. You'll make that initial play, disrupting someone trying to make an outlet, and then by virtue of you know you're moving back up the ice, a team might want to change. But he doesn't do that. He stays with the play, swings over, and then Brett Howden makes a great pass, and he he just buries it. So those little things, and and you see it more sometimes, and. I find myself whenever he's on the ice, I'm maybe just focusing on what he's doing and I'm a little blind to everything else going on. And I mentioned it, I think it was last week, when he's working along the boards. And, and it makes sense what you said in terms of um, taking hits. Like, he gets hit, but he doesn't fall down. He just keeps moving, he keeps moving. Um, 
he does the thing where like Kako does it as well as I'm going to go left. Oh, I, that's blocked off. I'm going to go right reverse. Um, and I, I think you want to see this for a prospect that is on the older side, relatively speaking. But again, like we saw an adjustment, uh, period when Pavel Buchnevich came over. We've seen, you know, adjustment periods with other prospects. So Kratsov so far, really fun to watch. Now I just want him to get um, some more ice time. And I, I think there's really no reason at this point um, to not give him that ice time. Speaking of ice time, I think it's time for an ad break, Tom. We'll be right back. Just like that, we're back from an ad break. Um, it's uh, I don't know where where I want to go next because it's it's kind of like I find myself whenever I'm I'm thinking about when we're gonna do a show. Like obviously we're going to talk about things that just happened, games played, but like I feel like there's we're we're con- how do you feel, Tom? Oh, how do I feel? How how much Tell time do you have? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's frustrating because again, like I get that uh he uh said today after practice that Zach Jones is going to be a candidate to play um against Philadelphia. But he's asked after the game about has he given any thought to changing things up? You know, pointing out, uh, I think it was Molly Walker that asked, like pointing out that Anthony Boteto had been on the ice in the last two games for, I think it was like four or five goals. And he's like, uh, it's not something I've really given thought to. We're going to have to think about it. And, and that's like, you know, paraphrasing, but that was like the general vibe. Um, and again, it's fresh after a loss. I get that you're not going to really maybe have something prepared to say at that moment. But I don't think that's like a particularly hard decision to make. Like, man, we've (laughs) been bleeding chances and we've been like, you know, treading water and our, it's clear that we have a weak link on our, our defense. Um, Oh wow. Like we didn't even mention Jacob Truba left the game last night and his day to day. And it's weird because it looked like, and um, when I, I rewatched, um, you know, what Shana clipped, it looked like something with his ankle. But they're saying it was an upper body injury. Yeah, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. Um, and the loss of Truba, and he's had a really good season. Um, I know he got a lot of grief for how he played last year, and you're rightfully so. And, and I think you've seen a lot of improvements this year under Jacques Martin and, you know, penalty kill defense overall. But when you lose someone like that and you have situations where Adam Fox takes the penalty or 
Ryan Lindgren takes a penalty, it shows how exposed this team is. And, um, you know, Brendan Smith has had an up-and-down year. I'd say he's competent. You know, he's going to be what he is. Keandre Miller, he's has some really good nights. He has some nights where he looks like a rookie. But overall, you got to be happy with it. Um, but when you are in a situation where you need to lean a little more on Batetto, where you have to lean a little more on Smith, it, it shows, um, like it shows that you have some work to do because as good as Fox is and as good as, you know, Lindgren has been, although like the one thing that we've said is we want to see um, Lindgren on a pair away from Fox to sort of see how much of his own he can hold. Um, you it need be good more. To know. And yeah, right. So I get like the whole, they don't want to rush Zach Jones in, but you clearly know what limitations you have with Batetto. You clearly know what limitations you have with Lieber Hayek. At the worst case scenario, you put Zach Jones in, he's going to be as bad as Hayek or as bad as Batetto, which you've already admitted as a coach that you're kind of fine with. But you're almost <laughs> saying, I don't want to take a chance for any upside over that which I don't understand um, because like if I was a coach and I, I think I've used this example before, it's very easy to criticize a coach. I get it. I criticize David Quinn a lot. Um, and I, I think my criticism is at least well-reasoned and I, I try and say, you know, why I feel a way and what I would do differently is instead of just saying, Oh, coach sucks. Fire David Quinn. Um, but, it's a situation where coaches, I feel, have an out if, you know, they're getting criticized like, oh, we're not playing X or Y. We're not giving more ice time. Where if you're a coach, it's like, you know what? I um, bumped so-and-so up. We gave them a couple of games. It didn't work out the way I liked. We're going to move them back down and we're going to reevaluate. Then you buy yourself some, some equity with the fans. Like, you know what? Gave them a shot. It didn't work out. Um, there were some things we liked. The potential is there, but they're just not ready. But instead, we get this nonsense, and I agree that some of it is on the uh, the front office as well, whether it's, you say, Gorton or Davidson, that uh, the team had a good shot of making the playoffs. Um, but you don't want to waste these valuable games that you can evaluate talent because there are a lot of important decisions that have to be made. And you want to at least know, okay, can I count on Filipino? Can I count on Zach Jones? Can I count on so-and-so? And, you know, saying like, you know what? I saw enough to say I'm comfortable with them uh, filling XYZ role. Or, you know what? I'm kind of comfortable trading them. And again, I get it. You don't want to use a small sample size, but it's not really a small sample size. It's your entire sample size of the player from when you drafted them or acquired them. It's like, okay, here's what they were. Here's what they did in this environment. Here's the tendencies they showed in this environment. And you're making an informed decision. And, and obviously, the Rangers want to upgrade at center. And we don't know if, um, you know, they address that by using someone like Kraftstuff as a trade chip, or they use someone like Zach Jones as a trade chip, or 
Who knows what they're going to do. But I just don't buy this notion that um, by playing the kids or, you know, cutting some of the veterans ice time at five on five, which really doesn't matter because they're still getting top top billing at special teams is like giving up on the season because you might luck into a situation like, oh, wow, I'm playing Zach Jones and I'm, you know, playing Craftsoff uh, and I'm playing Kakal more. And because they're good at possessing the puck, they're generating chances. And because they're generating chances, we're scoring goals. I don't think it's mutually exclusive, like development, trying to win. I think you can do them both at the same time. And rant. I was enjoying the rant. Um, yeah, you raise a lot of good points, especially like what is the... I'm not sure what... I wonder how much of what Quinn's comments were about where he's not trying to like drag Potato through the mud, but the other part of it is like in the grand scheme of things, I think the Rangers need to find uh, a little more progress that is, I think, tangible um, where you can really notice where they recognize what's going on with with certain assets, and I think Thibor Hayek and Brett Howden are assets that should be underlined um, in this as important examples. And another example that I think is important to underline is uh, Leah Anderson, who um, last I heard is doing pretty well in the AHL um, uh, in the Kings organization, which is awesome to hear um, and good for Leah Anderson. But I think it's really important when you have accountability and I think it's when it comes to defenders it's like why do why do these things happen Tom when Lieber Hayek or or Anthony Potato's on the ice and then all these things happen and then if you have someone like Tarmo Reunited who's just there in Hartford and has been playing like he might be a little too good for the AHL right now and you know he does a lot of things that would be really valuable to see if he can make the jump to the NHL level um why don't we get to see him? Uh, wouldn't it be nice? Um, and I don't know. I'm sure part of it might be complicated in like maybe a tiny bit by a... Actually, no, it probably wouldn't even be complicated with D'Angelo taking up a spot in the, ta- the taxi squad, but why would that impact things? I think this is just... It's just unimaginative asset management and... Like, the, the reason I bring all this up is when th- things like this come up, it is a clear path to giving the kids a chance to shine and, and giving a prospect, like, a little cup of coffee, rewarding them for, for doing the right thing or yada yada, whatever the hell you want to say, whatever cliche you want to put in. So do it! So fucking do it. Uh, like, if Potato has a shitty game and Troop is out, um, call up the kids and see if there's a kid ready to go. Why wouldn't you do it? doesn't make sense why you wouldn't do it. Go ahead, Tom. So I feel like I've touched on this before, and I feel like I've listed examples. So, um, But, like, my theory slash, like, hot take has always been that the Rangers give more... You know, Siri, I don't really appreciate you. (laughs) It happened to you this time. Yeah, so my... My, uh, you know what it was? I said my hot take slash theory, and it interpreted um, as, hey Siri, 
which I probably, okay, it didn't go off, but I probably shouldn't have said that because that would have triggered it. But my assumption, there we go, that's a word that should be fine, is that they have more leash with players, prospects they've acquired versus ones that they've drafted, developed, in the sense of, you look at the Ryan McDonough trade, right? Which, um, if if Lin, if Nils Lundqvist pans out the way we think he will, that saves that trade big time. Um, but how they've treated Howden, how they've treated Hayek, drastically different. How they've treated Leah Sanderson, Filipino. Um, and the only common denominator there is it was players that they they drafted or under their control that they could kind of control the narrative a bit because they didn't want to admit like maybe we made the wrong move here um and uh which is it's weird because that is weird like yeah. you would i think haven't thought about it they would want in those terms before but you're right that is weird yeah and the one exception so far which i don't really get um and maybe it's like Gautier, where they obviously acquire him from Carolina for Joey Keane, and we've seen tangibly that Gautier has good instincts. Like, obviously, he's billed as being someone in sort of the mold as Chris Kreider, but fundamentally, he knows where to go. He uses his size. He uses his speed positionally, you know. He's a big galoot. Right, and he knows what to do around the net. Um, you know, unlike some other forwards, um, Brett Howden, um, but like <laughs> Howden's being played on the wing when he was a center where Gautier is a center, but he's not playing. So uh, it, it's just this weird thing of, of, I really hope because we've said it a million times, but this off season is really crucial as they look to take that next step because Oh, it's a fascinating offseason. Yeah. If they stutter step between where they are now and next year, like that can shorten up the timeline. And I, I would think that the instinct was like seeing the talent that they have, seeing how players have progressed, you would want to um, make the most of it and say like, you know what? We're a little bit ahead of schedule. We have resources. We have assets. We have cap space. Like, let's fucking go. And... If you say, you know, we still think so-and-so can be a value, um, that would that would be the wrong path to take, in my opinion, which is why I said, you know, play Jones, play Gauthier. Um, if you have a spot for Reinen, great. If you, you find a, end up having a spot for Morgan Barron, play him too. Um, but, like, like, enough is enough with, you know, players that have had more than enough opportunity to prove themselves, have shown that they're pretty bad. Um, like, just what are we fucking doing here? I don't know. It's still, there's still a part of me that wonders what would happen if Jack Johnson didn't get hurt, Tom. Right? It'd be, it'd be interesting to see, you know. I forgot about him. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget about Jack Johnson because everyone was like, why the fuck did they sign Jack Johnson? And then we were all like, yeah, but really he'll be the seventh defenseman. And then out of camp it's like, ah, it turns out he's not the seventh defenseman. He's in the goddamn lineup. And then, <laughs> But then, you know, unfortunately for Jack Johnson, he got injured. And then his, in you know, his season got shut down, which has essentially made 
made it so that Libor Hayek had another really big opportunity. Um, and, you know, Libor Hayek, unfortunately, showed that he really hasn't developed all that much. I mean, it's really interesting watching, like, MSG and, like, when, like, when Valier, you know, offers some analysis on defensive breakdowns and stuff and how often, how often Libor Hayek's name would get mentioned. Um, when you think about, like, the only, I wanted to bring up when you're talking about, like, prospects and how they've been treated, like, the guys they've developed, I think the way they've handled Keandre Miller, I think, is good, just in terms of, like, he's made mistakes, but he's stayed in the lineup, which I think is the right thing to do um, with Keandre Miller, just because I think it's the right thing to do with most of the kids, especially the kids that most of the time are doing the right things and showing their potential. I don't, I don't think that applies to everyone who's kind of stuck around the lineup, but yeah it is really interesting though and, and you know the trade deadline is over it's now a question of whether or not the rangers can kind of like you know claw their way into a playoff position the odds are obviously kind of stacked against them here and if this injury to truba is significant in any way it would be pretty bad but you know so far nothing too big in terms of a red flag but again who the hell knows what's going to happen the real story is this offseason and the transition from this season to next season because like you said there's the timeline there's there's these expect expectations you have you have the clock ticking on a lot of players in terms of having them for their prime and you think of Mika Zibanejad you think of the next contract for Igor Shosturkin you, like a lot of things need to get figured out within like this time next year it's going to be a very different Rangers team and hopefully it'll be a much 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 more competitive Rangers team but I think that gets there. We get to that much more competitive Rangers team largely by the kids developing because, you know, whether or not they make a big move to add that center is a whole can of worms that may or may not ever be opened. It, that move might never come. Um, but what needs to come and what will come regardless is the development of the kids, like Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, all the guys that are going to be a part of the solution have to continue to develop. It would be nice if guys like Gautier get more of an opportunity to try to carve out a role for them uh, instead of just ending up, you know, you have Colin Blackwell getting all the same time. And like I said, I love the Colin Blackwell story. But the story I like even more than that is the Rangers making a smart trade for a, you know, a promising young forward who could be a part of the solution moving forward. And uh, I wish we got that story a little more often. Anyway, I think that's all we have for this show, right, Tom? Yeah, I don't really think there was anything else that we wanted to touch upon. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Rangers are going to be playing against uh, Philadelphia. Um, it's a back-to-back uh, -back set, and it's after that, they have two against the Sabres, which theoretically you want to take all four of those games, and you should yeah, be able to they take don't... all four <laughs> of those games. Also, theoretically, if they're a playoff team, shouldn't they try to take at least three points off of uh, off of the Flyers here? I'd hope. I'd hope so too, Tom, but I don't know if they're a playoff team. But yeah, we'll as, uh, 
Yeah, we'll see. Um, as always, we appreciate everyone who supports the show. Um, very appreciative of our Patreon supporters. Uh, Adam Clendenning, Adam, Naho- Adam Naholik, Ian Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andres Chicagoff, Andy White, uh, Bjarner Osterheim, Captain America, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazen, Doris from Rico Park, Frank Menino, Jimmy Bussell, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Kevin Mead, Kushtastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin 2020, Patrick Landholt, Pernil Powerhouse, Sean, Stieg Belbeck, Tolgay Rob, The Tin Man, Tour of Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Um, thank you, as always, for um, Thank you so, so goddamn much. I tell you, having, I mean, I know how tough it is. And I know we do this every once in a while with the Patreon, like the patrons. But, like, uh, uh, the show doesn't happen without you guys. Um, and, uh, again, we've hinted at this a couple times. Not easy right now, uh, trying to make ends meet, uh, covering sports and doing what Tom and I are trying to do as a career. And your support makes a difference. It makes the show possible. It also helps pay rent and, and buy groceries and things like that, which is also really nice. Um, you know, at first we talked about how patrons would help to going towards, like, oh, improving the quality of the show and stuff, and... You know, uh, now it's become more of like, oh yeah, we really should try to do whatever we can to do the podcast because, uh, yeah, pandemic, fun. Anyway, we really do appreciate it. We know, you know, we say it, it's sincere every time. I just want to make that clear. So thank you, everybody. I hope everyone is safe. Everyone is well. Everyone's enjoying the hockey, enjoying watching, you know, Kravstov look so fun. <sighs> He's just fun. That, that You know what, Tom? Smart, also fun. It's fun to see what Kravstov can do. Wouldn't it be nice if we saw him get it more ice time? Why not more ice time? Mike says more ice time. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. Obviously, try and enjoy the games down the stretch. Um, you know, be well. Hope everyone's doing well. If you know you uh, getting your COVID get shot. shot, I get my second shot tomorrow. I'm going to drink a lot of water and, and do windmills with my arms. Keep it moving, you know. Um, Keep it moving. But uh, you'll be good. Yeah. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.